Merkel Media. And he said, do you need a ride? And I said, I only have a couple more blocks. He said, well, that's a couple more blocks. And hop on in. And okay, stupid, maybe, but I did. No way, Colleen. How how many people in one night need to ask you that question? (laughs) Wow. I know. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long, bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears... Dan holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touched air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me. Just get a hold of me. If you want more shows every week on Thursdays, we drop a bonus show for members only. So if you want to hear more of The Confessionals, on a weekly basis, just go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button, and become a member today. And if you want to stay prepared for those emergencies in your life, go to preparewithaconfessionals.com. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com. And there you'll get yourself emergency supply food that will last up to 25 years on the shelf and survival gear. Everything that you need in survival is right there at preparewithaconfessionals.com. And while you're online, go ahead to YouTube and subscribe to the Confessionals YouTube channel. That's The Confessionals on YouTube. On that channel, we'll be uploading shows from the past and current shows, plus Legion of Legends. And that is the most exciting part about it all. You guys already listened to the show, but Legion of Legends will be exclusively on The Confessionals YouTube channel. We already have one episode up. Jack and I had already gone and done another trip, and I'm working on putting that together for you guys as well. I'm excited about it. Hopefully in the next week or two, it will be released right there on the YouTube channel for The Confessionals under Legion of Legends. Now, this week, we have Colleen coming on the show, and Colleen shares a lot of different experiences from her life and how they kind of correlate with other people from the show that we'll be talking about. It's interesting when you hear people share things that kind of correlate with other people and what they said on the show as well. It kind of brings it back around full circle. So let's get to Colleen right now. (laughs) 
All right. Today we got Colleen on the show. Colleen, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Tony. I'm glad you're here, Colleen. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, me too. You're a, <laughs> you and your husband, Virgil, are one of the top fans of the show. I, I know that because every time I post something on social media, like, well, for me, at least it's Instagram is pretty much what I mess with. Um, always. Like you are the first one to like it, which tells me that you have your notifications turned on so that whenever I post something, you're notified. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Like, Got it. I, I remember seeing you always liking the stuff first and it never hit me until maybe like a month ago or so. And I was just like, she probably has the notifications turned on. And uh, But Colleen, you have um, several different experiences that you've went through throughout your life, uh, ranging from paranormal type things to family history, uh, the sleep paralysis kind of stuff, UFO. And uh, there's a couple of people that appeared on the show. Uh, I, I know of one that kind of jogged your, your thoughts as to what you experienced later in life. So if you could, though, just start off in the beginning when you're a kid, some of these experiences you went, went through. Okay. Well, starting, I heard through, I think, a cousin of mine that my grandma had seances back in the day. And I always kind of wonder if that kind of followed, you know, down the family line of weird things that have happened in my life. Um, mom, when I was about, I don't know, eight years old, I remember mom being really into ESP. And um, she would you know, like bring out playing cards and ask us to guess what playing card it was and one time we were uh we went into her bedroom my two sisters and I and we were concentrating one person one person would try to guess what everyone else was concentrating on and so it was my turn and I was standing up and I closed my eyes I felt literally felt pushed backwards mom and my sisters were on the bed and ran into the little garbage can they had in there and I asked I asked them if that's what it was, and it was. But I didn't tell them I was pushed. I just I went backwards. It was kind of freaked me out. So there's that. And then um, in the same house, it was kind of a creepy house. We had an attic, and I was the lucky one to have have my bed against the attic wall. And we, I would hear things at night. My mom would always say. Um, that it was just the squirrels. And I mean, it just, it felt evil to me. And I was talking to my sister about this the other day when I was telling her I was going to uh, talk to you. And she said when she, she's four years older than me. So she would have been about 11 or 12. We had company and she had her own bedroom. My other sister and I shared a room. And so she gave up her room and went, I don't know why she would go in the attic to sleep. I would think she would want, but she didn't believe in creepy things. And she said she woke up with a high pitched noise and she couldn't move. And so sleep paralysis, which I'd never heard of until your show. And she said she was terrified and lasted for about five minutes. And then it stopped. And I think she went under the covers and hid and went back to sleep. So then we moved next door, and Mom bought an Ouija board for us to play with. And um, I was a bit creeped out with it. It did move around. The only thing that I remember is we were watching a dog race, and we asked the Ouija board 
what dog would win, and it said number six, and then number six got disqualified. I went, well, okay, so much for that. So jumping into same house, and I was telling you this earlier, I was 14. It was a summer night, and I was outside on the porch. I always kind of, I don't know, hung out there. Um, there were cute guys that lived across the street and twin <laughs> brothers, and they had a they had a purple velvet Corvette, and so I thought they were, you know, kind of cool. So I wouldn't yeah. mind just kind of hanging out. <laughs> Twins, you got double the power right there. <laughs> I know, I know, and you know, I'm 14, so yeah, there you go. So one of these nights I was sitting out and uh, I looked up in the sky. I was facing west and this, and it wasn't high in the sky. It wasn't way up in the sky, like a planet. It was low. Um, uh, it was almost black, except it had a glowing red, like in the inside. And, and it's moving really slow towards me. And uh, I remember the top was a brighter orange. But I could see, it was close enough I could see, it was a rough texture, not a smooth ball-like thing. It looked like kind of like a basketball, but it was, it, it just had this rough texture. And I called the radio station, which was just two blocks west of me, and I knew their window faced that way, and I, and they knew me. And I asked them to look out the window quickly, look out the window. There's a UFO out there, and they just laughed me off. And so I'm still watching it go by the house, and it's um, maybe we had a two-story house, so maybe 10 feet above my house, so pretty close, and no trail of anything, and um, that was it. So I have no idea until I listened to uh, Kyle on Hollow Sky that he said he saw something very similar to that. So. Yeah, that's interesting. That, How big was it? Well, I mean, hmm, I don't know how big. It was 10 feet above me, or I mean, above the house. And it looked like a size of a basketball or a little bit bigger. You know, um, do you think that something like that could have been paranormal or more, I don't know, man-made military-wise? Because, I mean, uh, I, I know just... You don't have to say exactly, but uh, this isn't in the era of, you know, people flying drones, right? Just to clarify. Oh, no, I'm old. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I didn't want to say that. <laughs> no, um, no, this would have been probably 19, oh, I just already gave my, in it, it, early 70s, probably. Okay. I, it was where I was living before I moved to the other place when high school. So yeah, you know, 70, 71, nothing like that well, was I, around that I, I know that, of. I bring that up because um, one day when I was, and I think I've told this on the show before, but uh, one day when I was uh, working and I was doing a delivery to this very odd place, especially for a tractor trailer. Like I went and I had to go behind this, this building and they didn't have a dock and they didn't have like a big parking lot or anything. It was all gravel. And, and so I swing my trailer around up between like these broken down vehicles and and uh, um, uh, trailers, and I back up to this garage door and I start doing this delivery where I'm hand unloading stuff. And it turns out this place uh, is they they make caskets, 
and I'm talking to the guy who owns the place. And, you know, I, I forget how we got on the topic, but I told him what I do. And uh, just generally, though, and he he's like, oh, man, I, I've, I've had weird experiences in life. I said, is that right? And he said, uh, yeah, he used to work in the military. And he said he was an engineer in the military back in the 60s. And he said, I'm telling you right now, the technology that people are having today, we've had since the 60s when I was working on it. And I was just like, wow. Uh-huh. And so sometimes when I hear things like your story, I wonder sometimes, is was that like an early drone that was being possibly tested or something? Uh, and and I, I, don't, I don't know, but was there any kind of like military bases or anything around where you lived? No, Eugene, Oregon, nothing around there. Okay. Because I mean, so, I definitely that's think, interesting, though. Yeah, and I, I definitely think it could have been a paranormal, like an orb, or it could have been maybe a UFO. But sometimes when I hear people, and that's why I kind of brought the idea that this happened a long time ago up, because you know, back then it wasn't there. What people didn't have drones that they could just buy at Walmart, you know? Oh yeah, there was nothing like that. I, I mean, I I mean, I still picture that. And I can, for the life of me, I can't figure it out. There was no trail. But it was moving slow, so it wasn't like a meteorite or anything. And it was low enough that it kind of went behind the house. I mean, it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, in, yeah, I, don't, I have no clue what it was. It didn't make any noise, and it was close enough. If there was an engine, I would have heard it. Yeah. So there was no sound coming from it. So I'm clueless. It was just a weird freaky thing and the only person i think i people i told were the radio station guys that gave me a bad time man that's... and i don't know why they didn't look out the window it's that window faced that they could have just looked out that window because well <laughs> all right so one you know back then it just wasn't like it is now i mean you uh, true. the ideas of ufos and things like that i mean people didn't it, it was that was sci-fi now it's it's reality but also, maybe they did look out the window and they just didn't see it. Maybe it's something that was more, you know, I don't know, elusive. Or maybe it was, you know, if you want to go down the paranormal route, maybe it was something that literally was only meant for you to see. Who knows? Hmm. Well, I wasn't creeped out by it. I was more curi- curious. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Yeah, I, I know the curiosity but- can get you because... Uh, when I was a kid, I, I had seen a UFO with my mom, and the idea of seeing such things creeped me out. Like, I, I, you know, when you're a kid, you think UFOs are aliens, and and you're going to get abducted, and you're going to die, and things like that. So it kind of scary to think about when I was a kid. But I remember when I saw that thing, I couldn't. I was so like overwhelmed with curiosity. I literally ran up the road as it went up the road. Like I, I couldn't help it. Like I, I had to just follow it. And I, obviously, I didn't keep up with it, but it was just. Yeah. It was just such an amazing experience. And I, I thought that I thought for sure I had made it up or imagined it um, or thought that it was a UFO, but it was only a helicopter until maybe a couple of years ago. When I'm sitting at the table. My mom confirmed me. She's like, no, that was a UFO. And I was like, holy crap. OK, so now we're cooking. Well, your dad saw one, too, didn't he? Yeah. When he was a kid, they were they were at his aunt's house playing. And his, his his aunt's house, if I remember correctly, was like kind of down in the valley. And uh, they were outside playing late at night, probably around nine o'clock. And there was these uh, three three lights that came up over the horizon, over the hill, and kind of like slowly moved over the kids as they were playing. And they ran inside, got the parents, and the parents came out. And when the parents came out, these things just jetted off. Uh, and and I oh. think that's what happened. I, I, I for some reason I, I vaguely remember him saying he doesn't 
they don't remember exactly how they went away. They were just gone. But either way, they just went boom. They were they were out of there. And uh, yeah, so that happened when he. That, I think he told me that story when I was a kid, and it always stuck with me. Yeah. Okay, so um, the next thing that happened, I was in a sophomore in high school, and I had become a Christian by then. And um, my best friend, I went to her church. She had they had a revival going on, and so I went, got filled with the Spirit. Um, was you know all excited about God and life and everything. And I remember going home, getting into bed, almost asleep, and my bed started moving around, and like somebody was bouncing on it. And um, the new Christian as I was, I ducked my head under the covers and just started saying Jesus. I didn't know what else to do. It stopped. The next morning, I woke up, and one of my necklaces were it was on the floor and broken too. Continued to go to revival that week. It was a week revival. And a few days later, the same exact thing happened, except it felt like my bed was being lifted up, you know, like lifting up a little bit and then dropping down and ducked my head under the covers, same thing. Uh, And another necklace the next morning was on the floor, broke. So that was probably, you know, the more paranormal, the first really paranormal thing that happened to me. And uh, after that, I moved to Tulsa and at 19 well, and me, went to Rama. Let me ask I'll you, go ahead. Before, before we get into the Rama experience, um, when it came to that revival that you were going to, and then those, uh, for lack of better terms, we'll call it spiritual attacks of some kind, uh, you're having yeah. these physical things happen, necklace breaking, bed shaking, bed lifting up. Uh, do you mm-hmm. do you view that as a direct correlation to your new spiritual journey you were on? I do, totally. Um, and I just felt, this was what I felt like then, was uh, the devil, demons were mad at me. I think, I felt like it followed me through the life because of, you know, starting with my grandma those kind of things. And when I became a Christian, I didn't do anything with it at first because I didn't know what to do. But then going to the church with my best friend, um, I think it I felt like it was just pissed off at me. You know, I don't know how else to say it, but it was mad that I now, um, you know, believed in Jesus and loved the Lord and uh, changed uh, the path of my life and my family. Yeah, because I wasn't, uh, you know, I was accepting Jesus. That, I, you know, I talked to my girlfriend about it a few times, and she just said that was weird because nothing happened to her like that. But she was raised in a Christian home, you know, so um, she never. Not that people that are raised in a Christian home won't have that happen, but. Um, she never experienced anything like that. She would just tell me, oh, that's really creepy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it is. Yeah, and you know, but, I've mentioned on the show before, I, got, I have a theory that when it comes to those kind of things that maybe um, there there's some kind of identification process that, like, all right, so if if Satan is as old and has been around as long as the Bible says he has been, then I would think that somebody 
somebody or some being that's been around that long and has seen so many people live and die would generally have certain um, hints. I don't know what if it's like actions or attitudes or what, but might have an idea as to this person might actually grow up to be something that I don't want to deal with. So let's let's cut it off sooner than later. And that's why they have these paranormal experiences. I, I don't uh, know. But yeah. like, I mean, you, you start going to that church, uh, you start changing your life around. And so these attacks happen. And then like you kind of started saying you, you then went to Bible college, which kind of set you off on another course. And then I don't know if you you were going to mention it on the show or not, but I sh- I'm sure you don't really care. It. I know you had mentioned to me recently, I think in a comment or something, that you had worked within a ministry at some point in your life. And so like you 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 dove in pretty hard yeah. on the, the, the Christian lifestyle and pursuing a whole new path in life. And and maybe that that might have been what was like trying to scare you away from getting involved in and and to kind of take it back full circle. I mean, you talked about how your grandmother, uh, you were told your grandmother practiced seances. Uh, your your mom right. brought the Ouija board in the house and was practicing yeah. ESP ESP with you guys. So there was some kind mm-hmm. of um, other things going on in your family lineage that. You might have been, and, and obviously you did. You veered off course, and, and it might, yeah, so, yeah, something might not have been very, uh, very happy with that. Uh, and before we go into Rayma, though, I wanted to ask you, kind of back up here to the beginning. Um, sure. Your grandmother and your mom involved in certain things, uh, introducing those kind of things to you as a kid. Uh, but I, I don't know if you said it on the show or if you told me off air. Uh, you, you were raised Catholic, though, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so went to Catholic church up to my senior year when I became a or junior year when I became a Christian. So was your was your mom and grandmother Catholic too? Oh yeah, and my great grandmother came over from Ireland, so you know, Catholic. Okay, a lot of Catholic in the that side of the family. Yeah, it just it just kind of catches me off guard that um, it you know people who are or devout Catholics would, you know, mess around with that stuff. But I mean, who knows? I don't know. We were raised believing in the, Oh, what are those things? The Irish little guys. Oh, the leprechauns. Yeah. The leprechauns. Um, I mean, but mom even had a, this is so weird when I think about this, she had a little Buddha, little Jade Buddha that she gave me. And she said, rub its tummy and wish for something. So there was all that kind of, crap going on i got you I, you know i don't know uh you know i don't know there was just a lot of you know, i used to wear a uh a capricorn necklace i was born in january and um so i you know before i was a christian i was into that kind of stuff so yeah there was a lot of that going on before i became a christian so the spiritual environment kind of growing up was like a like a casserole, a little bit of everything. Yeah, not so much for my older sister. She was pretty stout Catholic and didn't really heed any of that. She thought the Ouija board, she was very skeptical. She's a very analytical person. Um, so it didn't affect her, I don't think, as much as it did me. Um, it, yeah, just talking to her about things, um, she she looked at things different than I did. Okay. But she was going to be a nun. <laughs> she thought she was going to be a nun. So, um, 
she was very strong. I, I and I liked the Catholic Church back then. We we lived two blocks from the church, and when Mom went in the hospital, um, they they would come over and hang out. The nuns would. They were really nice. They weren't those mean nuns that you hear about. Super nice. So I didn't have any any uh, anything against the Catholic Church. My experiences were good, but uh, yeah. You know, we were we were raised Catholic. Dad wasn't, but he would attend church when we were young. But um, okay. anyway, that's it for the you know how I grew up. Yeah, um, I did. I, like I, I did mention to you, I think you know, maybe in a email, not email, but text that I I was involved um, senior year high school with the ministry, and as soon as they were evangel. He was evangelist, and they had three boys. And as soon the night I graduated, I moved to their house and um, traveled with them for a while. Um, and uh, yeah, I lived with them for a while. Then they moved to Tulsa, and I lived with them for a while there too. So yeah, I've been I was involved in ministry. I was okay. Then we go to Tulsa. Can I go to Tulsa now? Absolutely. <laughs> It's your show. You can do whatever okay. you want. <laughs> so, uh, because of the one ministry, they introduced us to Kenneth Hagan and Ken Copeland and um, that ministry that was in Oregon. Oh, heavy hitters. And what's that? They're heavy hitters. Those are big names. I, yeah, they are. And um, so we, I went to Raymond, that's Hagan's school, and Copeland came a lot. Um, I actually talked to his wife one time too, but, um, and I was involved in Rama. I was involved in some of the teachers. I, uh, I better look at my notes to see where I'm going from here. Okay. So I moved in with the teacher and his family. I took care of the boys, uh, for a short time in between not having a job. And I got a job at Bama Pie Company, which made the little pecan Mrs. Smith pies do you ever remember i don't know if they're around anymore little pecan pies well if it's pecan, never heard of them if it's pecan pies then i definitely have never even tried it because i hate pecan pie so oh. <laughs> hate it okay <laughs> well they also made the mcdonald's fruit pies okay now you're talking my and, love language <laughs> and i worked on the line so you had to you had to all check in at the same time right and uh, it was just a line where you would just pick up the pies and put them in the containers. And that's what you did. It was really boring, but it was a swing shift. And I went to Rama from 8 to noon. So I had to have a job like that. So one day, I didn't have a ride, so I was going to take the bus. And it's an industrial area, so there's like four, um, what am I trying to think, roads, uh, lanes, and uh, so it's, you know, no houses, just industrial, and the bus never came. And I was miles uh, from Bama, and I thought, oh, great, and then I'm going to be late. And you can't be late. You have to you have to clock in with your, your crew. So I'm walking, and I look, and across the four lanes on the side street, I see a guy watching me in this, like, old green Fairline car or something like that. And um, I went, oh, crap, because at that time there was a uh, a serial killer, um, well, a rapist in Tulsa. And uh, 
So I was always on high alert. And so he was called the shower stall rapist. Um, anyway, I walked a couple minutes and sure enough, he came and pulled up and asked if I needed a ride. And I said, no, thank you. I'm almost there where I wasn't, but I lied. And, um, two, he left and about two minutes later, I'm going, oh crap, I'm not going to make it. I was so stressed out. I don't like being late. And a van pulled up most, you know, eight seventies vans don't have windows in the back. And this guy asked if I needed a ride. Well, stupid. I said, yes, because I didn't want to be late. So this is where I thought about this story with dirty Santa. Um, so I get in, you know, tell him I go to school and, and work. And he immediately asked me, would anyone miss you? I'm going, oh, crap. I said, well, yeah, um, you know, if you didn't, you know, show up for work or come home. And I went, well, yeah, uh, work. You know, I haven't called in to work. So, yeah, they'd miss me. And I live with my teacher and his family. So, yeah, they would miss me. And he goes, well, how long would you have to be gone for them to miss you? And I'm just, I'm freaking out. I'm trying to be calm. I start talking about Rhema. I start talking about Jesus. I want to diffuse this conversation as soon as I can. And it took about three times him asking that, and I kept bringing in the Word of God. I don't even, honestly, Tony, I don't know what I said. But it was all about Jesus, about what I was learning at Bible school. And then he stopped the question and just said, oh, well, I'm a Jew, but I'm not a practicing Jew. So that's when I looked at him. He was a heavyset guy. And when I looked over at him, I noticed his pants were unzipped. And I immediately um, looked away to see if I actually could get out of the van, if it had, you know, it wasn't locked. And I... uh, and then I just said, I figured I diffused it enough by him saying he was a Jew. And I said something about it. Well, Jesus was a Jew. And then I said, oh, here's here's my stop. You can stop right here. Because I figured I got him off of that one subject. Now's the time to just say, I'm here. So I felt, you know, gross. I felt violated. Um and I knew I was going to be late for work. That, that was still in my mind, but I was really shook, uh, shaken up from that. And I maybe walked a half a block. <laughs> there was a guy in a pickup truck on the side street that I had to cross in front of. And he had a cowboy hat on. He had a really nice smile. And he said, do you need a ride? And I said, I, I only have a couple more blocks. He said, well, that's a couple more blocks. And hop on in. And, okay, stupid, maybe, but I did. No way, Colleen. I know. How many people in one night need to ask you that question? (laughs) Wow. I know. I know, but let me get to this. I I know I'm thinking stupid, but he looked like Robert Redford for one. So, hey, (laughs) I mean, and he was, he had this nicest smile. I did get in this truck. And honestly, I felt 
tons better when I got in the truck. I, I didn't feel so gross violated still bothered me it wasn't you know i'm thinking about it but i didn't i wasn't all shaky like i was got out as i got into work they were just clocking in so i got in in time so let me go future 15 years i'm married to virgil we have a couple kids by then i'm reading a book about angels and i went i hadn't thought about this in years and I asked God, you know, have I ever seen my angel or angel? And good old cowboy that looks like Robert Redford popped right into my head. So, honestly, I really do think that was an angel. That's my opinion. But the feeling I got when I got in the car and out of the car was a huge difference from after I got out of the van. Wow. So. Wow. I know. So honestly, Tony, I think I, 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 I know that was my angel. I hadn't thought about him. And his face was as clear as clear could be when I asked God if I'd ever seen the angel before. All right, let's talk about a new sponsor for today's show, which is Cerebral. Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Listen, friends, you know how busy life can be with work, kids, family, traveling, vacations, everything that you plan to do throughout the year. And a lot of times when we're by ourselves thinking about life and how stressed we are, filled with anxiety, we want to visit a counselor. We want to see a therapist, but we don't know how we're going to fit it into our time schedule. We don't know if it's going to fit on our network plan for our health insurance. We don't know how much it's going to cost. There's so many things that kind of we put up as roadblocks to not do something that's going to be beneficial for us in the long run and our family. And that's where Cerebral comes in because Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. And if you're looking for a therapist or a counselor, this is all online through the mobile app. You can do it on your computer where you meet with your counselor right there on the computer or on your phone at your convenience at your home. You don't have to worry about going to somebody's office, scheduling time, all that stuff. And a lot of times it takes weeks for that stuff to happen, the appointments to happen. This doesn't take nearly as long and it's affordable with their affordable treatments that are one third the price of traditional therapy. So not only is it affordable, but it's also convenient. And with the medications that get delivered right to your door that are prescribed by a licensed provider, I'm telling you, friends, this is a great opportunity for some people out there that might need some help with their medications or counseling and therapy, but don't have the time or the willpower to actually seek that help and go outside their home. It all comes to you virtually right there in your own home, in the comfort of your own home. And right now, for the listeners of this program, you can receive 65% off the first month of medication management and care counseling at GetCerebral.com slash Tony. Go to GetCerebral.com slash Tony for 65% off your first month. That's just a total of $30 to get started. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. What you were describing and stuff, I, I picture like a hood where you're like walking down the street in like a red light district where all these guys are trying to pick up women. I'm just like, what is going on here? I was kind of cute back then, but um, it was it, it was an industrial area, so 
not red light, but it was not a place you'd, you know, definitely not want to be walking at, at night. But it was daytime when I was walking. So, Man. yeah, red light. Never thought about that before. But no, it wasn't that. Well, so, that's, I'm, I'm it, glad you're I'm glad you're here to talk about these things. I mean, that that guy that you got in, I mean. So you have the one guy that contacted you and he's like, Hey, do you need a ride? You say no. The next guy you say, yeah. And of course that's the guy that's a perv. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, man, like who knows who that guy was? I mean, maybe he could have been this, the, the guy who was like, the serial rapist. rapist. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a classy he, name. Oh, but I, you can Google it. I did actually <laughs> sure, not I'm too sure. long ago. Yeah. He's there. I mean, they caught him. Good. Did, but you, it did wasn't you, the same guy. Oh, he wasn't. Okay. I was going to say, did you catch the, the picture? Yeah, I did. This guy, well, he was uh, he, he was heavy set and he had a beard, heavy and you know, and his password zip. So there were other things too that I saw. But um yeah, that guy was just a sicko as far as I'm concerned. And having the van too, you know, with you know, windows, the panel, you know, that kind of van. Yeah, that's um, that's kind of. I, I knew better. I knew better. Yeah, that's that's the kind of van that you teach your kids never to go near. You know. I know. I know. And my mom was really good about the stranger thing, stranger alert. But you know, I was on my own, yeah. and I didn't want to be late for work. So hey. Um. Okay. So the only other thing that happened in Tulsa was the first time I experienced the sleep paralysis that I remember anyway. Um, I don't remember exactly the first time, but I remember hanging out. I hung out with, uh, this is after I graduated from Rama, and I had guy friends I hung out with. There were four of them that rented a house. And on the weekends, I usually just hang out with them. They were all watching football. And I was on the couch, and I'd fallen asleep. And I could still hear them, so I wasn't asleep sleep. And I remember trying to wake up and I couldn't. And I remember thinking this has happened before. I just don't remember. I don't remember the first time it happened. And I was really struggling to try to wake up. And um, coolest thing, the Holy Spirit, God, you know, they're all three in one said to me. And in my spirit, it's like in the center of your being that's not your ears like you know from your spirit your heart he he just said be calm that's all he said be calm and i went okay i'm just gonna relax and do what he said and i did and it was just a few seconds later and i woke up that plays into am i going too fast because i think that plays into the last thing that happened to me so that that no that was the first time well, that was, that was the first time you had the sleep paralysis and that I remember. Right. So, cause you had that feeling that you had this happen before. Yeah. But I okay. couldn't pinpoint it. I think it was still when I was in Tulsa Gotcha. that I had it and I remembered struggling and I remember thinking when I was on the couch, oh no, not again, that kind of, so I knew that I'd had it before. I just honestly couldn't, I don't remember. So, um, it, but I use that later on in the last story, um, with what happened to me. But so I was in Tulsa for five years. I graduated two years and hung out there for a while. 
and then came home after short <laughs> after I, I went to New Jersey for a summer and and I'm not gonna get into that story much. I helped a church out, but uh one I don't know why I'm telling you this. One of the uh people that I knew, a family I knew, that I knew their son from Tulsa, they're uh they were strong Catholics and his mom through me became a Christian and he and um his wife slept in separate bedrooms. They were from Italy. Um, he owned a uh, um, dry cleaning store. So, and it was a lot of lot of Italians there in in Tom's River. And um, oh yeah, I know Tom's River. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, I used to drive out it's that a, way. Ah, uh, okay. So it was Tom's River just for the summer. Um, the husband found out that his wife became a Christian and he was mad at me. And, uh, my friend Paul's brother also lived with his parents and he got mad. His mom moved out. Uh, they hadn't been having a relationship, husband, wife for years, but he would, the husband was mad at me. The big brother was mad at me. I was going to Italian, uh, church. Well, mostly Italian and the pastor came out, or the associate pastor came out and said, you probably should go back to Oregon. I went, why? And he goes, because Paul's brother is talking to the mafia about you. Oh, oh. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I came back to Oregon. Yeah. I just thought, okay, enough of that. But And I yeah. knew they knew the mafia because... Paul told me at one point his parents were going to sell the house and it was on a canal and um, they had a big picture window. And when the mafia came to look at the house, they said, Oh, we have to board that up. So, so I knew the past that wasn't just something fake. And these guys were Italian and, you know, his dad owned a dry cleaning (laughs) store. So anyway, so that's, you know, when I came back to Oregon and, um, I'm glad I did. So now the two other stories I have is when my sister and my analytical sister, Carolyn, we went, uh, uh, snowshoeing quite a few times in one year, about eight years ago. And (laughs) this is the time when I've always believed in Bigfoot since Patterson Gimlin, I saw it come out. I wrote them, I had a letter from them. It bums me. I cannot find it. But when that first came out and they were going on shows. Um, so I always believed it, but uh, not to the extent of, you know, how I think of them now, but we were snowshoeing. It had just snowed the night before. We hadn't gone very far and I'm going to read how my sister explain the sound that we heard um a deep throated under lading resounding call echoing through the woods and so and when that ha- it was crazy it was we looked at each other i said bigfoot as she said what are the big birds from you know dinosaur ages like pterodactyl yeah pterodactyl that's what she said she said pterodactyls. I said Bigfoot. And we just, and it was dead quiet there. There was nobody there. It was on a Monday. 
and um, I think the echoing was behind us was a mountain. So I think it echoed. It wasn't right next to us, but it was loud. And then it did it again. And I wasn't scared because, you know, I hadn't heard all those stories now that I've heard about Bigfoot. But um, so I grabbed my phone to record, hoping he would do it again. And it didn't do it again. Um, so we walked a little ways and still there's no noise. And I looked down and there's blood on top of the snow. Cause you know, it just snowed. So it was, the blood was on top, a trail of blood. I have no idea. That was when I got freaked out. Um, I don't know what that blood was from. I don't know if maybe a, a bird caught a rabbit and it dropped blood. We didn't stay long. We ended that that trip pretty quick. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I look. We talked to a hunter who didn't believe in Bigfoot. He thought it was some grouse. I mean, I listened to you name it. I listened to the cougars. I've listened to all the different sounds. This thing was crazy loud, and I, I have no idea. But anyway, <clears throat> that and then that brings me just to uh, the reason I wrote you in the first place was because of what Kat said about what she saw. Do you want me to go into it? Oh yeah, go for it. Okay. So a lot of times my, my daughter had her own room and um, downstairs and she would leave her light on and she won't, she won't tell me anything. Um, She would say there's this creepy things and, and a lot of times her TV would be on at three in the morning. She didn't tell me things that were happening. And, and we moved in there. She was probably um, seven or eight. And the creepy things, I think, she said started right away. But I think it got worse when she became a teenager. And I, I didn't know what to do. She wouldn't talk to me. And she moves out. And I would use that bedroom sometimes in Virgil snore too loud and um one time i was in the room and it wasn't too long ago a couple summers ago and uh i was sleeping and i felt like we we had a uh, a dog that slept with us which is crazy because i never thought i'd have one but it was virgil's idea a little poodle and he would crawl under the covers and it felt like that it was on the side of the bed, though, kind of near my thighs. And I tried to move to, like, kick it. And I realized I couldn't move. So the sleep paralysis was back. And then when I did that, um, uh, it was the... I had a, it was summer, so I had the fan on, on the left hand side was the window, and the fan was going, and I could I could hear it. Um, but on my right side was the uh, scream, like mad, crazy chimpanzee type screaming, very loud in my ear, and then the bed jumping on my bed, and and I can't move, and then it brought me back to. About, you know, not trying to get up or try to force it, just be calm. So, so I'm going to be calm, and then as soon as I wake or wake up from this, I'm going to say the name of Jesus. 
I mean, it, and it, it took a few minutes and uh, not a few minutes, probably maybe 20 seconds. This whole thing lasted. Um, but also when it started screaming, the mind's eye thing, I saw it looked like a baby Sasquatch, you know, maybe four foot tall, jumping up and down. Um, he had huge mouth, um, kind of a conical head, and um, all his teeth were flat and um, wide open mouth just screaming at me. And that's what I saw. And when I woke up, I uh, was saying Jesus as I came out of that and everything was still, you know, the fan was still going, but that was it. So I got up to go to our bedroom and I wasn't scared as much as I was ticked off at this thing. Uh, I went into the room and usually Virgil just roll over if he hears me coming in, but for some reason he just said, what happened? So he knew something. And all I said was, I told him what happened. And I said, I think I've been listening to too much Sasquatch Chronicles because that thing looked like a baby a Bigfoot that I saw. So that was it. And I haven't had anything else like that. Yeah, that that's interesting because you mentioned about how that kind of sparked the memory of a uh, cat. And uh, yeah, it, it's interesting because sometimes we have these experiences that people share on the show that, you know, spark other people's memories. Um, there, there's a couple episodes that kind of are similar. I remember the first time I heard something along these lines, and I don't remember what episode or even who this was, but I just remember them talking about how when they were a kid, they looked down the hallway and they could see into their bedroom and their bed, and there was a giant monster on their bed uh, that looked like a hairy Sasquatch. And uh, huh. I don't remember what episode it was, but you mentioned about Cat, and Cat, uh, yeah. she was a member episode because it was MK Ultra stuff, uh, very touchy um, conversation, really. And uh, that was episode two forty one, discovering MK Ultra. And I'm gonna play some audio of that interview, where, which I think is what kind of sparked your memory, if that's okay. Okay. All right, here we go. Okay, so let me go back to the story. So that woke me up. And I don't know if it was a storm or if it was the thing that was shaking the trees. Now that I look back at it, so now my French doors opened and the only light that was in my bedroom was the bathroom. And it was just a cracked door. And this thing came in and the only thing I can compare it to at the time in my little mind was King Kong. It looked, I couldn't see any details. It was dark, but I could see the silhouette and I could see the hair. It went to the top of the door. And I just knew it was the night monster, which we called the boogeyman. So there was two um, names for it. Okay. So the boogeyman, night monster, whatever you want to call it. So I dumped, drove under the covers, under the quilt. And I didn't move a muscle. And it walked. Well, I didn't see it walk, but it came. 
to the edge of my bed, to the foot of my bed, and it stood there. And I could see through, I didn't move a muscle, a muscle, but I could see through a hole in the covers. And I could see just like the side, the side of the arm. And then I looked at, and I could see the hand. And it looked like uh, an old glove, an old leather glove, I suppose. Uh, like a gorilla hand, like an old, like what I know now. It's like a gorilla hand, like King Kong, like the old black and white movie. Maybe is what I what I could attribute it to in my little kid head. It's all I could identify it as. But I knew it was the boogeyman or a night monster come to get me. So I have no memory after that. I'm pretty sure that's the story you were referring to, right? That, yes, I remember when she started talking about that going, don't say it looks like an ape or anything. Don't say that. Don't say it. Because I wouldn't have, I would not have uh, written Lindsay to tell her the story, all the other stuff, if it wasn't for Kat saying that. Yeah. And when she said that, I went, oh, crap. Yeah. I saw a miniature version of that. Yeah. Probably. And when you said miniature version, that sparked another episode in my head. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. It's an old episode, uh, episode 117. I had Alika on and uh, he talked about this gorilla man that he um, that he experienced. Uh, do you remember that at all? Uh, I remember Alika, but you talk about him. So I'm not sure. No, I don't think I do. Yeah. Let me let me play the audio for you so you can hear it. Sure. This night, she had, uh, for the two weeks prior to this, she was having a rough time, uh, a real emotional roller coaster. And um, so she needed some space. So she ended up going to sleep, falling asleep by herself in my room. And this is at my house. And she had fallen, fallen asleep normally. You know, and by normal, I mean her head is on the pillow. Her feet is where her feet normally is, how we normally sleep. And you'll see why I mention that detail. Um, as the story progresses. So I go to sleep. She's already asleep. And I end up waking up in the middle of the night. Uh, and I have this quote unquote dream. And I know, I know it's not a dream. Uh, and you'll see why. So I pop up, I sit up and everything is pitch black, but everything is strobing. Like the super bright white light is strobing and it's strobing in sync with my heartbeat. And, um, and my heart is racing because I, I woke up in this state of like hyper-awareness and kind of borderline panic. So my heart is racing, the strobe is going off, and I see all this, all this stuff going on, and I'm wondering what the hell is going on. And so I notice that I'm, I'm moving over, and I, I can see my feet. And I'm flexible, but I'm not that flexible. And so I, I'm extra curious as to what's going on now because I'm looking straight down at my feet and I look to my left and I see that D is her head is right there by my feet. I'm like, that's weird. And then I look into the corner of the room right by where D's head is and I see this thing in the corner of the room and it, it looks like a negative uh, photo where 
everything that's supposed to be white is black and everything that's supposed to be black is white. And it's, it's this, it looks like a, a monkey, like a gorilla man. Uh, just the facial features, just everything that it is. And it's pupils, it's eyes are completely black. It's pupils, it's pupils are white and it's staring straight at me. And it's sitting in the corner of the room, kind of hunched over. And like, it's like, like it's almost 2D. It's trying to get to her and it's looking at me like, what are you going to do about it? And I speak to it and I, and I notice that my, my, my body, whatever, it starts rising up and I'm trying to speak to it, but I'm speaking to it, not with my mouth, but with my mind. And I'm telling it to leap, get the F out of here. And it's looking at me and it's giving me this look like, okay, I'm not leaving. And so it's getting more aggressive. And I just feel this, this super aggressive, uh, uh, Tone and and face, uh, facial expressions coming at me, and everything starts strobing really hard. Like my my heart is starting to race now because it's I'm getting into a fight now, and so this thing comes at me. It full on uh, puts its arms and hands straight up to my shoulders, like it's trying to choke my neck, and I do the same thing where I'm fighting it. But I, I can't see my arms and my my hands, but I know I'm fi- I'm fighting this thing off. So we're in this we're in this battle in my room in this strobing environment, and I'm I'm trying my hardest to fight this thing away. Yeah. So that was that was Alika, and you know people can check out the rest of this show if they want to hear it. But um, they, it kind of reminded me a little bit of your experience as well. That's why I figured I'd cue it up. Yeah. That's creepier than mine (laughs) yeah i wouldn't want to go through it either (laughs) no no i mean mine was just it was short-lived i didn't like but honestly tony i was so mad at this thing more than i was scared and i did sleep in the room a couple times after just to prove to it that i wasn't afraid of it i don't know but uh, it's screaming was a lot worse than virgil snoring so i decided to stay in our bed (laughs) Yeah, well, I can understand. You need your uh, you need your night's sleep. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your stories. It's been it's been really fun. I think it's overdue too. I think it's been overdue. So I'm glad you came on. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. You can text it to people, share it on social media, DM people. I don't care. But please share the show if you enjoyed it, because that's the best thing you can do to help this show grow is to share it around with your friends, family, and all that fun stuff. And just remember, go ahead and check out Legion of Legends on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, The Confessionals on YouTube, where we're uploading Legion of Legends. And if you are looking for another show to listen to, Hammer Lane Legends. Legends. We just talked to a guy yesterday who said that he wasn't really interested in the truck driving thing. He listened to this show, he tuned in, and now he's a huge fan of Hammer Lane Legends. So if you've been holding out on Hammer Lane Legends, we have over a year and a half of shows right there waiting for you to consume. So go ahead and check it out. Hammer Lane Legends, a show me and my dad host. Thank you very much. And until next week, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye. Awakened from the forest in the depths of the abyss, 
This creature is a paradigm of time lost and time itself. It fears no one. It adheres to no rule that man can create. It forges its own path, and yet its path remains hidden from the world. The sphere of its existence is beyond most comprehension as it exudes its power quietly but transcendent. It needs no one's approval to exist, but yet its very existence is sought after by many. It watches. It learns. Adapts to the ever-changing environment around it, even as the environment is wrought with corruption. It battles the corruption only when pressed or for the protection of others like it. It is a mirage that few will ever understand. It's a cornucopia of knowledge from an era long past. It's free. It's Bigfoot. My fantasies always consisted of making it big. My soul was nothing more than a bargaining chip. Marketing is what they tell you to do and what you're willing to give. Larping to the fullest extent. I don't wait, I shoot first like Han on a rodeo. And people don't understand me like reading a Nokian. Stretch thin, like pulling an accordion. My heart ain't primordium. All these historians telling us lies. Setting aside everything is medicalized. Politicians selling the ride. I better my die where the relevance lies. They dressing a light. Reptilians. My resilience is brilliant. I'm here to leave. 